We have a brand new book in the Founders Trading Post store. Speaking of the aforementioned Founders Trading Post, it is called Triumph, The Power and the Glory of the Catholic Church, a 2,000-Year History by H.W. Crocker III. Um, uh, hopefully this time when I bring H.W. Crocker III on, I'm going to be able to hear him and he's going to be able to hear me. Um, and everywhere I read, and including in the correspondence to, uh, to book the interview, um, uh, it seems that people refer to you as Harry. So I'm just going to welcome Harry H.W. Crocker III to the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm doing well. So is Harry okay? Harry's fine. Yep. <laughs> now, you wrote this book. This book came, back, came out at the turn of the millennia, didn't it? Yeah, no, this book was written about uh, 20 years ago, um, but it's been updated to include the end of John Paul II and all of Benedict and our current <laughs> um, pontificate under Francis, yes. <laughs> well, I can't see uh, the, uh, he's known as Big Frank in circles around here, so. <laughs> well, well, no, I'll, I'll, I, I, ended up, I, I started the book all that many years ago because I'm a convert. Okay. And I wanted to write a, I mean, when I was converting, I wish there was a book like this. That's why I wrote this. I, I wrote this for other seekers like myself. And what I wanted was a, a Catholic history that wasn't dry as dust, as so many mm. are. And I, did, I wanted a Catholic history that wasn't apologetic in all the wrong ways. Um, I wanted an affirmative history, and I wanted an exciting history. And so I often tell people that the history of writing is sort of a history of the Catholic Church for adolescent boys. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because it focuses a ton on things that other people are ashamed of. I'm not. Conquistadors, the Crusaders. There's got to be, I don't know, maybe half a dozen references to the French Foreign Legion in this book. But that's the sort of book it is. It's sort of this adventure story with Roman legions and crusading knights and the clash of swords and gunfire, the Battle of Lepanto, like we had just a couple days ago, um, and Columbus. So all that stuff is, is affirmed in the book, and it's meant to be a lively, even though it covers 2,000 years, it's to be like a lively page-turner. Well, from what I read of it, and it's and it's massive, okay, in, in scale, it's it's very large. So I select a chapter or two that I'm interested in, and I read it. It is. It reads like a novel. And by the way, you're talking to a the world's oldest adolescent young man, me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it absolutely appeals to me. And as you mentioned, you know, you have the uh, the Battle of Lepanto in there. Uh, you have Saint Pat, the story of Saint Patrick. You have the uh, the the Holy Roman Legion. You're you have the French Foreign Legion. You have the Crusaders. Uh, you even have a chapter on Mel Brooks's favorite subject, the Inquisition. What a show! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so tell no, us well, about I, the Inquisition. When I, speaking, when I was speaking about the book a long time ago, um, and I was, I was a bit surprised that the topic that people most wanted to talk about was the Inquisition. Mm. I, I did not expect that. Um, however, I, I mean. The Inquisition is is much misunderstood, as I'm sure maybe your, your listeners know. But especially in its most famous um, incarnation, if I want to use that word, um, you know, the Spanish Inquisition, which lasts hundreds of years, hundreds of years, um, the number of people condemned to death under the Spanish Inquisition 
was about 4,000. Mm. I'm also a Civil War historian, and as anyone who has studied the Civil War knows, that's about a day's worth of casualties in the Civil War. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, over, over hundreds of years, 4,000 is, is not a very big number. And for the, for the Inquisition to be part of the you know, black legend of the Church is, um, is pretty ridiculous. And one of the things, too, I've try, I tried to do in the book was I relied a lot on secular and even liberal sources. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to show that if you understand history accurately... It's, it's a pro-Catholic story. It is. Um, and even like on, on the Inquisition, for instance, that's what brought it to mind, is that you know, if, if you look at recent scholarship on the Inquisition, we know, we know for a fact that most people's vision of the Inquisition is not only wrong, it's based on inten- intentional fraud. Oh, yes. And, and so what, what scholars actually found was, look, the Inquisition kept really good books. And so you can actually look up all this stuff. And what went into a lot of history books before that was, was, was fraud. I mean, it was, it, was, it was fraud perpetrated in large part by Protestants who were using it as a propaganda tool, but also actually by, you know, even Catholics who didn't like the Spanish. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, all, a lot of these things that people thought were going on had, were not true. And this was knocked down even by sources like the BBC, the British Broadcasting uh, Service, I think had a show actually called, was, I think it was called The Myth of the Inquisition. This they came did. out a couple of decades ago. And it, it, it showed all this stuff. So you don't have to like look for specialist sources. or you know, I use Catholic sources, of course, as well. But you don't have to just think, I'm doing a partisan research project, and that's going to come up with these proper answers. No, if you look in decent, and by decent I mean usually older, History used to be less politicized than it is now. Older sources that are mainstream sources, you can find the truth of the Catholic Church there if you look for it. No, and and the, the story of the Inquisition, you're right. The BBC did do a, a series, came out in like 1990, 1991, somewhere up in there. And I remember watching it maybe five years ago and marveling. Anyway, the BBC actually got it right and yeah. uh, it actually detailed. I don't remember if it was Erasmus, but who the pro, who the uh, the, uh, the Protestant propagandists were that were just uh, they weren't even in Spain. They were yeah. writing lies about what was going on in the in, in, in the Inquisition, and the the, the 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 something else that most Catholics wouldn't even know about the Inquisition, Harry, is that Saint Ignatius of Loyola was one of those that was inquired against. Right. No, this is true. I mean, there are, there are lots of myths. And, it, it, and the other thing is, people did not fear the Inquisition. It's not like no. a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> people did not quite... It was, it was, it was a rarely invoked um, thing. But when, and, and, and yes, it swept up some people who were totally innocent. And were found innocent as well. So it's just... I mean, for, and I know that I kind of... I often hate to use this argument, but it's true. <laughs> which is that by the standards of its time, which can be a deadly phrase, but by the standards of its time, these, the inquisitional courts were actually advanced. I mean, they had advanced rules of evidence and procedure and whatnot um, that uh, I don't think most people nowadays appreciate. Yeah, and the Inquisition is primarily uh, used today as a cudgel to bludgeon anyone that would d- dare suggest 
that Isabella should be put up for canonization, or that she was a that she was a good queen and Ferdinand was a good king. Um, instead, you know, it's it's uh, it's well, people, you know what the urban legend is. I I have H. W. Crocker the third, Harry Crocker. The book is called Triumph. Um, you know, Harry, one of the things, and it's available in our our founders trading post store. One of the things that uh, I have uh, I have eighty four maxims I have on this shirt. Church, church's maxims, as I call them. Church's maxim number three is there simply is no conservatism that does not pass through the Vatican. There isn't. There is no path to any conservative existence or civilization as modern American conservatives wish for it to be, or they or they claim they wish for it to be, that does not pass through the Catholic Church. I'm sorry, there isn't. There, there is no historical path, there is no future path, and there is no present path. It's going to pass through the Catholic Church. And why? Well, because it's Christ's church, and it has been around since 3.15 in the afternoon, uh, the 25th of March, 33 AD, when Our Lady and St. John the Evangelist and the Marys took our Lord down from the cross, the church began. So there is no history and there is no conservatism that has not passed through the Catholic Church. I agree 100%. I can tell you, much of my professional life has also been spent in the quote-unquote conservative movement. And it, it's, it is clear, it's, this has been true for, for forever, most of the, you want to call it the leadership class of the conservative movement, because it's in the Supreme Court, it's Catholic. Right. That's because Catholics have the intellectual wherewithal to actually defend the propositions we're trying to defend. But you can also see it in, um, when, I'm actually wrote a piece about this just recently, when people talk about America, conservative, sometimes talk about America being a creedal nation. Right, well, what is our creed then? I mean, our creed isn't the Constitution, because the Constitution is just a framework for government, that you can put all sorts of things into that. And, and they say, well, what about the Declaration? Well, the Declaration is mostly a laundry list of complaints against the king. Right. And if you take that one part of it that people love to quote, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Well, all those truths, which aren't many, but the truths that they say are, are self-evident, are self-evident only in a Judeo-Christian world. And you know, it's kind of ironic that ideas like Thomas Jefferson wrote those words, but that's, that's the case. If you take, if you, if you, if those, those alleged truths, self-evident truths, were not self-evident to the pagan Romans. They were not self-evident to the Incas or the Aztecs. They were not self-evident to the Chinese, ancient Chinese. No, these, these truths come through the Christian world, and the Christian world comes through the Catholic Church. So you are precisely right. There is no conservatism outside. Without, no, there isn't. Without going through the Catholic Church. No, no, you're right. And um, uh, if you read a book like Triumph, as you said, uh, a 2,000-year history uh, of, the, of the Catholic Church, some of the things that you will realize, um, and I'm with you. I am a amateur historian. Uh, you're a professional. I'm a, I'm kind of, I'm a semi-pro. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I, I, I love the story of history because it helps inform uh, the current and, and, and the future. Um, and and as you start digging into uh, history, especially when you get beyond, when you when you get into the history of what we call Christendom today, 
and uh, and you arrive at the Crusades, or or you go a little further back, and you know you you read the story of Charles the Magnificent, who we call Charlemagne today, and uh, the liberation of France from the uh, uh, from the Moors, and then you even have a chapter in here about a uh, a new barbarian world order, <laughs> and of Saint Patrick and Saint Patrick uh, going to Ireland and confronting just the most despicable evil uh, 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 characters that the world has ever created, what turned them from bar- from barbarians into civilized people was Catholicism. It's what transformed Mexico from a human sacrifice mecca, where there were pyramids dot the Mexican landscape, and they were all used for human uh, for human sacrifice. What can where, where, where did all the human sacrifice? Well, they work in abortuariums in the United States today, but uh, where did they all go in Mexico? Well, they all became Catholics. And of course, the only story you get, Harry, uh, 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 about about that is the evil gold-seeking conquistadors. No, actually, I, I have to say one of my favorite parts of church history is actually this. There's a great uh, book by a guy named Bernal Diaz. Bernal Diaz yes. is a soldier with Cortez. And, it, I mean, it's just an extraordinary story about this, relatively speaking, handful of men who go into the Mexican interior and overthrow this giant Aztec empire. You can say, well, they had guns and the Indians didn't. Yeah, they had these, you know... One-shot arquebuses. I mean, they, those, those guns were not the defining thing. What, what, why the Spaniards won, in large part, was because of their discipline. I mean, they were just a very disciplined, courageous force. And Cortez, often portrayed as a gold seeker and all these sort of things, he's a great man. It's like Columbus is a great man. These, are, these were men who really were intent on spreading the faith. And especially, I would say, in Cortez's um, case. A man who's looking to, once he discovers what he discovers in, in, in Mexico, overthrow a completely heinous, horrible, bloodthirsty regime. Um, and I, again, this is something I think that people in our secularizing or the, the, the great fall off we've seen from religious practice and belief in the 21st century, they don't realize that many of the Virtues, if you want to call them that, uh, they take for granted, will, will only exist as long as we have a Christian culture, which is rapidly being eroded. And I think I mean things like mercy. Mercy is a Christian virtue. It is not a pagan virtue. It was not a virtue in, in ancient Mexico. But, and what typically, um, in, in pagan societies, what dominates are not Christian things like virtue, they're like, like, tolerance and love and charity and mercy and all these things. Right. Or justice. What is going to, what what will replace them is power. And you can see this already. You can see this in things like, you can see like in feminism, right? Which, which bases all of our most intimate relationships on the basis of power. You can see it in critical race theory, where it's all who's up, who's down, who's got the power, who doesn't. All this sort of what we might call cultural Marxism, is all based on power. It's why the woke people are so incredibly intolerant. They have no mercy for their, for their enemies. Um, and they're so just kind of froth, you know, frothing at the mouth, irrational. It's all about power. And it, unless Christianity regains its 
its preeminence in American life. I guess this goes back to your, there's no route to conservatism except for the Catholic Church. Unless the Catholic Church is restored in its, in its evangelical power in America, and it's setting the tone in America, we are in deep trouble. No, we are already in. <laughs> we are already in deep trouble. H. <laughs> w. Crocker, Harry Crocker, uh, the third on our Dude Maker Hotline. The book is called Triumph. Get yourself a copy in hardback at shop.mikechurch.com. I, I, I don't know that you could make a paperback of this book. It's, it's so large. <laughs> well, there, there was a paperback before this, and it was actually quite flattering that when they wanted to re-release this book, they said, "Well, let's don't do it in paperback." Let's do it in hardcover. And the reason for that was because people wanted to give the book um, as a gift, like for graduations and confirmations and all those sorts of things, uh, Christmas. And paperback didn't seem to suffice, so they really wanted a hardcover. So this is by popular demand. We have a new hardcover edition. <laughs> You you had a post at the uh, Crisis Magazine the other day uh, that makes a really good point that I think listeners will appreciate. Rome is falling. Rome is falling. <laughs> the next papal election will be more important than the next presidential election. And you make the point that it doesn't matter if you're agnostic, if you're an atheist, if you're a Protestant, if you're evangelical, if you're a Native American Indian. It doesn't matter. You probably know who the occupant, who the Bishop of Rome is. <laughs> Everyone knows who the Bishop of Rome is, and it's a position that is 2,000 years old. And, you know, people love to, to mock and make fun of the, the Catholic Church and the Pope, and uh, it's in a state of uh, dis, uh, disarray and uh, disorder and what have you here. Uh, but it's not. It, it, the papacy is, is 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 taken for granted, but it's a two thousand year old human institution. Of course, our Lord instituted it by making uh, Saint Peter the first pope. But you're right; everyone knows who the next bishop of Rome is going to be, and whoever succeeds Big Frank, you're right. That could be one of the uh, the, the most uh, consequential. Uh, uh, elections from the the College of Cardinals in the history of the church, certainly in the modern history of the church. Is this yeah. this is the point that you're making? Yeah, and, and yes, and you know if you look at a lot of the horrible trends that we are seeing, um, and a lot of the dangers we face, there's only one institution that can really stand up to them. I mean, when we're, when we're facing all this, say the you know, the transgender madness. No one can look to the United Church of Scotland <laughs> or, the, or all these other little splinter truth churches. They're not gonna, they don't have the power. They don't have the influence. They don't have the platform, whatever you want to do, to, to make a substantial defense against the madness that confronts us. The right. only institution in the world capable of doing this uh, is the Catholic Church, not only because of its size. Its size is crucial but because it proclaims the ultimate truths. And this is, the, this is part of the problem in politics in, in the United States is, look, we can elect, maybe, another conservative Republican president. He's only able to do so much. And he's, part of the reason he, he's, he's handicapped is because a lot of our quote-unquote own people don't actually understand the first principles 
that undergird their positions. So we're always fighting on defense. We're always making these little tactical gains here and there and making strategic losses. And the only way to get, to get around that is to actually understand, again, getting back to your point, that if we're really going to defend a conservative view of life, which is just a true view of life, it, right. it's through the eyes of the church. It's the church that gives us this. It's the church that sets forth what we want to preserve and proclaim. And you make the point as well, so uh, I'm going to kind of p- follow up on your point about whoever is going to succeed uh, the regime leader, Biden, has a, an awful lot of work cut out for them. And it, 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 the most likely uh, successor would be president, uh, uh, would be Trump 47, um, uh, pro- provided th- th- they don't bury him underneath a federal penitentiary somewhere and succeed in doing it. Um, I've made the statement, Harry, that... Melania is there. She's Catholic. We've seen statues of Our Lady of Fatima in the White House. I know that the president had a statue of St. Michael the Archangel and his credenza in the Oval Office. The conversion, and we should all be praying for this, all of us, every day. You say a rosary, just one bead, say, for the conversion of Donald John Trump to the Catholic faith. This would be a conversion, I believe, as big as... Uh, as Constantine's because Trump doesn't do anything half you know what um, he would find the, the the unbelievable majesty and beauty of the cathedrals and the and, and the old Latin mass and the Catholic Church uh, I think he would find tradition he would not he, he, I don't think he would be given over to the the, the kind of the some of the novelties of, 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 of the new right. Um, and I think it would be as consequential, as I said, as constant as maybe any conversion in the history of the world. Is that how you see it? Uh, yes. I mean, I, <laughs> I hadn't actually thought of it in that way, but I, I agree entirely with the, um, with the sentiment. I, didn't, I do think it's, it's possible. I mean, people used to say that Reagan, Ronald Reagan, was a sort of a cultural Catholic, though he was a practicing Presbyterian. Um, and... Uh, yeah, one of the one things that I think, at least I've never heard remarked about Trump, but it's true, is that Trump um, has a historical imagination that most politicians don't. Yes. You can see this in just even in small ways. I mean, when he used to give speeches, he would invoke figures like Douglas MacArthur. I mean, what politician <laughs> these days refers to Douglas MacArthur or even to Patton or Eisenhower? Well, Trump would. And uh, I, I, I do think that, yes, there's a lot in the Catholic tradition and history to attract a man like Donald Trump. And, um, and yes, it would be a, a hugely significant conversion. And he has, he has personal reasons for doing it through his wife. And um, it's, it's one of those extraordinary things you can see happening. I mean, the church has been very good throughout its history at finding men of the world and turning them to its purpose. I mean, one would be, as you mentioned, Charlemagne, but even sometimes um, characters that look like they're on the other side. I mean, one of the the remarkable turns in history, I'm not comparing this to Trump, so let me get that clear, but but if you think about a man like Bonaparte, Napoleon Bonaparte. Hmm. So Napoleon comes in after the French Revolution, Obviously, an, an enormous catastrophe for the Catholic Church, an enormous war against the Catholic Church. And Napoleon is no. And what does Napoleon do? He, he restores the Catholic Church 
as the Church of France. And, it, and this is a man who also imprisons and kidnaps the Pope. <laughs> but here's a, a man of the world, a worldly man, in, in many ways a bad man, and yet, in through the weird you know, turns of history, by, or by providence perhaps, he becomes a force for serving the Church. And Napoleon, uh, as as you said, there's a, uh, I want to say, I read a letter um, that he wrote upon the uh, the act of restoration. I want to say that he wrote to the, he wrote to a bishop or someone, or maybe it might, might even been to the Holy Father. And he he said that there will, that, 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 that there was no future for France without the church in it. That it had to have the uh, the church, and if it didn't have the church, then she would continue to descend into the madness and chaos that uh, that, that was the French Revolution. So you know, you're you're right when people think of Napoleon, <laughs> very many good thoughts about him, but uh, there wouldn't have there there wouldn't have been kind of the uh, the environment, for example, for Saint Jean Marie Vianney. Um, to have even been a priest or to have a bishop uh, had it not been for Napoleon. Right. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can also think about maybe more uh, closer to our own time. Think about World War II. There's a British author named Evelyn Waugh. Evelyn Waugh was a famous Catholic mm-hmm. convert. And people often forget that towards the beginning of World War II, um, there is the Hitler-Stalin Pact, the Soviet-Nazi Pact. So Russia, Soviet Russia, Communist Russia, and Nazi Germany were united as, as, as allies. Um, and even Wallace said, this is the modern world in arms. This is the modern world in arms. The, the atheists, communists, and the Nazis, who were the only modern uh, political movement that tried to reinstore, re- tried to restore paganism, essentially. Mm. Um, and, and who stopped them? Well, in the end, it was a coalition led largely by Winston Churchill, a sort of agnostic-leaning Anglican, Mm -hmm. and FDR, a sort of agnostic-leaning Episcopalian, both of whom, though, saw and stated publicly, repeatedly, Churchill perhaps most famously, that this was a war for Christian civilization against the renewed forces of barbarism. And so there, too, you have these men who, by God's grace, by providence, who were not themselves Catholics, but recognized that they were fighting a war to defend essentially old Christendom's virtues against paganism and against communist atheism. Incredible. So the book is Triumph by H.W. Uh, Crocker III. And uh, uh, you were mentioning President Reagan. Well, uh, I love the man so much I named the daughter after him. <laughs> they named her Reagan. Um, and I would uh, find out, you know, my uh, uh, I'm a cradle Catholic, but I fell away for about three and a half decades. Um, and when I came back seriously in 2011 and then uh, started finding this thing called Latin Mass and Sacred Tradition. Um, I met a lot of people that I, I, I don't think I ever would have met before. For example, I met a contemporary of yours, Paul Kangor. And oh, yes. 
Um, Paul, Paul and I have had so many on-air uh, uh, wonderful conversations, and one of them was about President Reagan. And I, and I, and, uh, 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 I asked him about the president. He goes, no, I don't think he converted before he died. As a matter of fact, I know that he didn't. But, you know, you can only, in God's mercy, we don't know how it turned out. But he told a story about Reagan that most people don't know. You know, Reagan went to Rome. He met with St. John Paul II, and uh, they talked about then the Soviet Union, and they talked about the uh, you know the evil empire and and what have you here, and in his audience with the Holy Father from Rome, Harry, he went to Lisbon. He went to Portugal. He gave a speech in 1985 to the assembly. The, to the Portuguese assembly. It's very short. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's about five and a half minutes long. Um, and in the speech, he recognized that he was in a Catholic country. He said, I have met with the Holy, uh, the Holy Father, and uh, I know that here in Portugal, where you have the beauty, the, the beautiful devotion to our lady, he actually said, the beautiful devotion to our lady of Fatima and to the Blessed Mother. And I, and I said, so Reagan was very friendly, uh, very, very Catholic friendly. But that speech that he gave in Lisbon, in, in Lisbon, in 1985, it was absolutely incredible um, uh, for, uh, I guess, John Paul uh, must, have, must have rubbed off on him a, a bit. So I think he was very Catholic friendly and certainly in a lot of what he did and the way he acted and the way he comported himself. No, absolutely. And you, I, mean, I, I actually know Paul Congress, actually trading emails with him this morning. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, Reagan used to yeah, have one of his abbreviations in his correspondence to be DP, which stood for the, you know, the divine plan. So he very, and he was, yes, he was very friendly to the entire Catholic view of the world, Catholic religion, Catholic people, Catholic advisors. Okay, so uh, let's let's conclude, and I want to thank you for your time, um, and I hope you I hope to have you back sometime. Um, let's conclude with my favorite subject, since I can trace my my uh, on my mother's side, I can trace my family tree to late seventeenth century, early eighteenth century France. Um, I can even trace my uh, my ancestor who uh, resided uh, in what today they call Nova Scotia. But at the time when the French went and settled there, they called it Acadie. And that's how they got Acadians. You have a chapter called Florida Lee and Iron Cross. What's your favorite part of the history of France and uh, the, the, the Catholic Church in France? Uh, well, uh I have to do you have a favorite? I do, I do. I mean, um, okay, I guess my personal favorite is the, the French played a leading disproportionate role in the Crusades. And uh, I, I love the Crusaders. And in fact, I love the way that this is often considered a, I know, a scandal. I consider it that it should be a feast day of the church. But the sacking of Byzantium by the, by the Crusaders, um, I'm all on board with that. I, I love the fact that the French just came in and decided to declare this all French. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but also, the other one, which is very relevant to our own day, perhaps, are the, uh, are the, are the Vendeans, the Vendee, the revolt in the Vendee against the French revolutionaries. Um, it was a heroic chapter in, 
in, uh, in French history. And as I said near the beginning of the show, I have always had a sort of boyhood fascination with the uh, French Foreign Legion. And I'm, my library is full of books about memoirs of legionnaires. And uh, it is, it's, I'm not just joking. There are several references to the French Foreign Legion um, in the book, mm-hmm. uh, one of which involves, in fact, a Catholic chaplain, which I will leave that for people to discover. And I'll, I'll live, one last thing, which is that when reading this book, I should advise readers to pay attention to the end notes. And pay attention to the end notes, not because I need you to check up on my sources or any of those sorts of things, but because I use what I call narrative end notes, which means there are stories often in the end notes, often funny stories. So there's, there's more to the book than meets the eye. Well, so do, you have a, do you have a memoir or a biography of Charette? Nah, no, no, no. I don't know. Was there, has there ever been one written about Charette? Uh, gosh, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know. Not that I'm aware of offhand. I have to think but about that. There, there certainly have been histories written about, uh, Charette and Catalino, uh, and Rochambeau and the, and, and the generals of the Vendée. You know, I, I went in 2018, I spent 10 days in the Vendée in the capital city, Chavagne. Um, oh. it's the most beautiful pastoral part of all of France. I'm convinced. Um, and uh, I tell the story on the show, uh, Harry, from time to time. I said the thing that struck me the most about being in the Vendée and being in Chavagne's little beautiful French village was you could not literally pick a dead cat up by the, and swing it by the tail and not hit a basilica. Um, and the bells. They rang the bells, real church bells, every hour. You knew what time it was. <laughs> you didn't need a watch, and the, and they were religious, religious about their uh, uh, about their their daily routine, and the day ended, the work day ended for everyone. I guess they all agreed upon this at four p.m. in 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 the Vendée, um, the the grocery, the supermarket or uh, supermarché would stay open until five to give people that who had just gotten off of work an hour to go in and do any shopping that they needed but the bakeries closed at four and it was just you know it's it, it, if you ever get the chance go to the little french village of chavagna and spend a day uh, and, and and you know the old uh, the old um uh a collegia, uh, there's a Jesuit collegium there. My friend Ferdy McDermott runs that still to this day. And then there is the magnificent academy, uh, 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 academy of the Ursulines, which is six stories tall, one football field in width, two football fields in length. And uh, has a magnificent has its own magnificent basilica there. It's the most Catholic place in the that I've ever been to in my life. The little village of Chavagne. You ever get a chance to go to south of France, or it's not really that far south? Go to Chavagne, and uh, I promise you that uh, you, you you will fall in love. You'll want to go back. Great, super. I look forward to that. <laughs> All right, uh, he is H.W. Uh, Crocker III, Harry uh, Crocker. Harry, thank you for the uh, 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 for the time. I have your contact info now. I'd love to have you back and talk some more history. Super. Thank you. All right, God bless you. Thank you for the book. All right, you're welcome. Okay. Talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Okay.